This program has been pre-recorded for airing at this time. Please hold all phone calls. Are you between a rock and a hard place? Are you not sure if you're a sinner or a saint? Do you think you've lost your salvation? Let me take you to the New King James Version. In the book of Matthew, chapter 18, verses 12 through 14, and Jesus says, What do you think if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray? Does he not leave the ninety-nine and go to the mountains to seek the one that is strained? And if he should find it, assuredly, I say to you, he rejoices moreover that sheep than over the 99 that did not go astray. Welcome to Save the Lost at All Costs. Posted by Save the Lost at All Costs, Inc. Featuring your sister in Christ and humble servant of the Lord, Nina S. Griffin. Good afternoon. You're listening to Sister Nina S. Griffin, and we're on Save the Lost at All Costs. We're going to open up the phone, excuse me, the phone lines right away. And if you're local, you will dial 702-650-5588. Again, local, if you'd like to join in on our discussion today, have a praise report, have a prayer request, or a general comment, we'd love to hear from you. Again, 702-650-5588. If you're calling outside the Las Vegas Area, we do have a toll-free number for you to join in on our discussion today. And that toll-free number would be 800-366-8883. Again, 800-366-8883. We are being streamed live from KKVV's website. That web address is www.kkvv.com. Hello and God bless. I just waved to you. Also, we're being streamed live from Save the Lost at All Costs website. And our web address is www.savethelostlv.org. If you have missed any of our previous broadcasts or if you missed part one of the profile of Leah, then we really encourage you to go to the website. Again, www.savethelostlv.org. Look for our weekly radio archives. Select the date that you'd like to listen to. Uh, we have years and years of broadcast. The gospel is always free on our watch as the Spirit leads you, and we encourage you to tell friends about it. We have wonderful resources on there, and uh, please, please check it out. Spend some time there. If you have a cell phone, and most of us do, I'm going to give you a cell phone number that you can dial to listen to KKVV anytime that you like, and KKVV has an FM dial and a AM dial. AM is 1060. AM, FM is 100.1 FM. And the phone number that I'm going to give you, cell number that you can call, you can listen to Save the Lost at all costs right now, or KKVV anytime you want. The number, and I'm going to give it twice, is 605-313-0630. Again, 605-313-0630. Please lock it under your phone contacts. If you have an Apple device, then we're also being archived on iTunes. Again, the gospel is free on our watch, so check us out on iTunes. So we're going to get right to it. Uh, we did part one last week, Profile of Leah, which was part one. And now we're going to conclude with part two of Profile of Leah. And we're talking about Leah, Laban's daughter, uh, Rachel's sister, Jacob's first wife, that you can find in Genesis. We started reading in Genesis 29, and we got to uh, pretty much 
through Genesis 30, but there are some verses that we need to uh, pick up. And then we're going to uh, get into some commentary and some discussion about that. But I uh, would like to be able to give you a more in-depth profile of some of the key players. So we're going to look at uh, Jacob, uh, which was both Leah's husband and Rachel's husband. Plus he had uh, their uh, maids, uh, Zilpah and Bilahad. And this is how the 12 tribes of uh, Israel came about. So uh, Jacob, we're going to talk about him, give you a little more in-depth profile on him. We're going to look at Laban. Laban is the uh, father of Leah and uh, Rachel. And he's also the father-in-law of Jacob. And Jacob's mother is Rebekah. And he is Rebekah's brother and the brother-in-law of Isaac. And Isaac was Abraham's son. Then we're going to definitely look at Leah and Rachel. So uh, before I pick up in uh, chapter 30, I think it will be good to uh, look at the characters. So let's look at Jacob. And I'm reading some commentary, and it's, it's very good uh, here, and it's pretty uh, insightful, very laser-beam-focused, and I think it will help you uh, as we finish out the reading today in Genesis chapter 30. But it says here, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are among the most significant people in the Old Testament. It is important to realize that this significance is not based upon their personal characters, but upon the character of God. They were all men who earned the grudging respect and even fear of their peers. They were wealthy and powerful, and yet each was capable of lying, deceit, and selfishness. They were not the perfect heroes we might have expected. Instead, they were just like us, trying to please God, but often falling short. Jacob was the third link in God's plan to start a nation from Abraham. The success of the plan was more often in spite of than because of Jacob's life. Before Jacob was born, God promised that his plan would be worked out through Jacob and not his twin brother Esau. Although Jacob's methods were not always respectable, his skill, determination, and patience have to be admired. As we follow him from birth to death, we are able to see God's work. Jacob's life had four stages, each marked by a personal encounter with God. In the first stage, Jacob lived up to his name, which means he grasped the heel, figuratively, he deceives. He grabbed Esau's heel at birth, and by the time he fled from home, he had also grabbed his brother's birthright and blessing. During his flight, God first appeared to him. Not only did God confirm to Jacob his blessing, but he awakened in Jacob a personal knowledge of himself. In the second stage, Jacob experienced the life from the other side being manipulated and deceived by Laban. But there is a curious change that Jacob of stage one would simply have left Laban, whereas the Jacob of stage two, 
after deciding to leave, waited six years for God's permission in the third stage. Jacob was in a new role as grabber. This time, by the Jordan River, he grabbed on to God and wouldn't let go. He realized his dependence on the God who had continued to bless him. His relationship to God became essential to his life, and his name was changed to Israel. He struggles with God. Jacob's last stage of his life was to be grabbed. God achieved a firm hold on him. In responding to Joseph's invitation to come to Egypt, Jacob was clearly unwilling to make a move without God's approval. Can you think of times when God has made himself known to you? Do you allow yourself to meet him as you study his word? What difference have these experiences made in your life? Are you more like the young Jacob, forcing God to track you down in the desert of your own plans and mistakes? Or are you more like the Jacob who placed his desires and plans before God for his approval before taking any action? And that was a a wonderful commentary on Jacob. Now I told you we have some other characters that we need to look at. And um, we're going to look at Laban. Again, Laban is Leah and Rachel's father. He's also Jacob's father-in-law. He's Rebecca's brother. And he's Isaac's brother-in-law. I'm going to look at Laban now. We're all selfish, but some of us have a real corner on the weakness. Laban's whole life was stamped by self-centeredness. His chief goal was to look out for himself. The way he treated others was controlled by that goal. He made profitable arrangements for his sister Rebecca's marriage to Isaac and used his daughter's lives as bargaining chips. Jacob eventually outmaneuvered Laban. But the older man was unwilling to admit defeat. His hold on Jacob was broken, but he still tried to maintain some kind of control by getting Jacob to promise to be gone for good. He realized that Jacob and Jacob's God were more than he could handle. On the surface, we may find it difficult to identify with Laban, but his selfishness is one point we have in common. Like him, we often have a strong tendency to control people and events to our benefit. Our good reasons for treating others the way we do may simply be a thin cover on our self-centered motives. We may not even recognize our own selfishness. One way to discover it is to examine our willingness to admit we're wrong. Laban could not bring himself to do this. If you ever amaze yourself by what you say and do to avoid facing up to wrong actions, you are getting a glimpse of your selfishness in action. Recognizing selfishness is painful, but it is the first step on the road back to God. So that was Laban. Now we're going to look at Leah, and then we're going to look at 
at uh, Rachel. So here we have Leah. Leah lived in a blunt and painful world. She observed it with sad eyes. Women in her day were considered property. Daughters were traded by their fathers in business deals. Leah's father Laban gave her to a man who did not love her. Perhaps it would be more fair to say that Jacob didn't love her as much as he loved her younger sister Rachel. But God loved her. Leah apparently could not see very well, but her sister looked great. In fact, Jacob agreed to work seven years for Rachel's hand in marriage. Jacob kept his end of the contract, but Laban deceived his future son-in-law. He substituted Leah for Rachel under the wedding veil. By the time Jacob knew a switch had been made, he was already married. Laban excused his deception by citing a local custom that a younger daughter could not marry ahead of an older one. After a brief confrontation, Laban agreed to give Rachel to Jacob in exchange for another seven years of work. And although Leah was not his first choice, Jacob accepted her as his wife. Leah revealed how she felt towards Jacob and the name she gave their first son, Reuben. The name expressed her desire to be noticed by her husband because Leah and Rachel competed for Jacob's attention. There was constant friction in the family. They measured their worth against each other by their ability to bear children. Leah was winning the fertility contest handedly when Rachel died bearing her second child, Benjamin. Leah's victory carried little satisfaction. The scriptures mention no more children born to Jacob. Ironically, the greatest honor Jacob finally gave Leah was to bury her with his parents and grandparents in the cave of Melpica. Genesis 49:31. When we fail to live at peace with the important people in our lives, we leave behind a tragic story. Although God loved Leah, we are not told of her response to him. Her inability to appreciate God's love also made her unable to love others. When we struggle to love others, we can be helped by reflecting on the fact that God loves us. If God's love doesn't free us, we need to think again. So the next person we're going to look at is Rachel. So let me turn to that. It's very in-depth, very much a blessing what we have here. And finally, Rachel. History seems to repeat itself here. Twice a town well at Haran was the site of significant events in one family story. It was here that Rebecca met Eliezer, Abraham's servant, who had come to find a wife for Isaac. Some 40 years later, Rebecca's son, Jacob, returned the favor by serving his cousin, Rachel, and her sheep from the same well. The relationship that developed between them not only reminds us that romance is not a modern invention, but also teaches us a few lessons about patience and love. 
Jacob's love for Rachel was both patient and practical. Jacob had the patience to wait seven years for her, but he kept busy in the meantime. His commitment to Rachel kindled a strong loyalty within her. In fact, her loyalty to Jacob got out of hand and became self-destructive. She was frustrated by her barrenness and desperate to compete with her sister. But Jacob's affection, excuse me, for Jacob's affection, she was trying to gain from Jacob what he had already given, devoted love. Rachel's attempt to earn the unearnable and a picture of a much greater era we can make. Like her, we find ourselves trying somehow to earn love, God's love. But apart from his word, we end up with one of two false ideas. Either we think we've been good enough to deserve his love, or we recognize we aren't able to earn his love and assume that it cannot be ours. If the Bible makes no other point, it shouts this one, God loves us. His love has no beginning, and it's incredibly patient. And we need, all we need to do is respond. Not try to earn what is freely offered. God has said in many ways, I love you. I have demonstrated that love to you by all I've done for you. I have even sacrificed my son Jesus to pay the price for what is unacceptable about you, your sin. Now live because of my love. Respond to me. Love me with your whole being. Give yourself to me in thanksgiving, not as payment. Live life fully in the freedom of knowing you are loved. Amazing. So wonderful. I hope that that has helped you to look deeper at the characters that we are looking at in this particular chapter. Uh, And we encompass Genesis 29 and 30, but we're going to finish up in 30. So I'm going to pick up in Genesis 30 at uh, verse 25. I'm in the New King James Version. And the word of God says this, verse 25. And it came to pass when Rachel had born Joseph that Jacob said to Laban, Send me away that I may go into my own place and to my country. 26. Give me my wives and my children from whom I have served you and let me go for you know my service which I have done for you. 27. And Laban said to him, Please stay. If I have found favor in your eyes, for I have learned by experience that the Lord has blessed me for your sake. 28. Then he said, Name me your wages, and I will give it. 29. So Jacob said to him, You know how I have served you, and how your livestock has been with me. 30. For what you have before I came was little. And it has increased to a great amount. The Lord has blessed you since my coming. And now when shall I also provide for my own house? 31. So he said, what shall I give you? And Jacob said, you shall not give me anything. If you will do this thing for me, I will again feed and keep your flocks. Verse 32. Let me pass through all your flock today. 
removing from there all the speckled and spotted sheep and all the brown ones among the lambs and the spotted and speckled among the goats and these shall be my wages. 33. So my righteousness will answer for me in time to come when the subject of my wages comes before you. Everyone that is not speckled and spotted among the goats and brown among the lambs will be considered stolen if it is with me. 34. And Laban said, Oh, that is, let me say again, verse 34. And Laban said, Oh, that it were according to your word. 35. So he removed that day the male goats that were speckled and spotted, all the female goats that were speckled and spotted, every one that has some white in it, and all the brown ones among the lambs, and gave them into the hand of his sons. 36. Then he put three days' journey between himself and Jacob, and Jacob fed the rest of Laban's flock. 37. Now Jacob took for himself rods of green popular Excuse me, let me say that again, 37. Now Jacob took for himself rods of green poplar and of the almond and chestnut trees, peeled white strips in them and exposed the white which was in the rods. 38. And the rods which he had peeled, he set before the flock in the gutters, in the watering troughs where the flocks came to drink, so that they should conceive when they took when they came to drink. 39. So the flock conceived before the rods, and the flock brought forth streaked, speckled, and spotted. 40. Then Jacob separated the lambs and made the flock face towards the streaked and all the brown in the flock of Laban. But he put his own flocks by themselves and did not put them with Laban's flock. 41. And it came to pass, whenever the stronger livestock conceived, that Jacob placed the rods before the eyes of the livestock in the gutters, that they might conceive among the rods. 42. But when the flocks were feeble, he did not put them in. So the feebler were Laban's, and the stronger Jacob's. 43. Thus the man became exceedingly prosperous and had large flocks, female, male, servants, camels, and donkeys. So that's going to conclude us reading initially starting in Genesis chapter 29. Uh, we got through part of 30 last week and then we're finishing up 30. So we just finished it. So now we're going to look at the scriptures more and draw some things out that I think uh, is very uh, timely and that uh, God would be pleased that you would focus on. So we know that Leah felt unloved by her husband. Jacob, but God loved her, and subsequently she uh, bore him six sons and a daughter, plus 
Her servant, Zilpah, bore him two sons. Uh, Rachel was considered attractive. She was the younger sister. She bore Jacob two sons and one uh, Benjamin. When she was having him, she died in childbirth. But uh, she was barren. And then when she prayed to God, her womb opened up. But before that, she was very contentious about being barren and uh, argued with her husband, Jacob, about it and uh, introduced uh, her maid, Bilahad, and she was the one that had sons first for Jacob. So... It talked about custom. It was customary to have the older daughter be married before the younger daughter. Uh, that's what Laban said was the reason why he deceived his nephew and his son-in-law, Jacob. Now, the thing is, is that when someone presents something to you, uh, you're not obligated to accept it. What you are obligated to do is to count the costs, is to consider what would be the long-range ramifications of this. And we need to be mindful that decisions have consequences, especially when it comes to family. And... These sons, you know, grew up, but there was always uh, competitiveness uh, between Rachel's children and uh, Leah's children. And uh, it, it pretty much changed how things happened. And it's wonderful to read about, you know, Joseph and his relationship with his brothers. And that's further down in Genesis but you have this this rivalry that it raises to a point of treachery to the point where people would even consider murdering their own blood and this just didn't develop in a vacuum it developed with mothers who were sisters who had maids, who had a father and grandfather who encouraged this and whose husband and father's nature had began to change to where he did not want to be the deceiver and understood what great consequence it was to deceive. Because he even became a victim of deception by his own uncle. I mean, Laban had been his uncle way before it was a consideration for him to be his father-in-law. Imagine that. Your uncle held you at birth. Your uncle saw his sister, which is your mother, uh, grow. You know, to where... He saw you being formed in the womb. 
and her belly is growing and there's an expectation of a child coming into the family and the role that a brother has with his sister in, in the child that comes forth. That is a very close role. You know, that's a father figure, you know, a brother, you know, an elder. I mean, just think about that for a while. Here you have Laban and Rachel, brother and sister. He's known his nephew, and his nephew was a twin. He's known about him. And then he comes into the area where he's living, and he deceives the young man, knowing that he fled his his home because of deception. And he and he fled for his life. His his mother was so concerned that you got to go, you have to leave. She she couldn't even contain her son Esau. Didn't want to take a chance. And he comes down there to his uncle. His uncle knows the price of deception. And here you have Jacob. Being a victim of the same deception. But you see a change in him. He was disappointed. He was upset. That it was not Rachel who he married first. But Leah because that wasn't his choice. That's not what he agreed to. Oh, but he said, my word is my bond. I have an opportunity to do something different, even though someone who was close to me, that I would consider a father figure, my uncle, my mother's brother, my bloodline, I'm going to do things different. I am going to work. And he didn't think about Revenge. He could have. He could have thought about deceiving. But that would only put him back where he ran from. It's a long way to go. To go all the way backward. We have to see that. And understand that. So here we have. Him shifting. Him growing up. And the most important thing is he's trusting God more. And see, when we open up our heart to trust God more, no matter what people do, we have a choice, men and women of God. We always have a choice. And Jacob wanted to do something different. And that was put him on a trajectory to do different. But he was still very much under the influence of a man, which was Laban, that was self-centered, selfish, and competitive. And we see this played out with his daughters. 
Leah, and Rachel. Now, Jacob had a desire to have one wife. And before it was all over, within two chapters, Genesis 29 and Genesis 30, those combined together, he has four wives. And the sisters get together. And they even agree to prostitution and pimping of Jacob. And the children are watching this. They're seeing this. And we have to ask ourselves, what are we showing our children? What kind of customary deals are we doing? Oh, it's just customary. Well, God is not a customary God. Marriage is a covenant. God shows us that it's holy because he's holy. And that he will perform in the covenant that he establishes, that he sets up. God is subject to his own word. He's not against his word. He will perform it. He's intentional. When he speaks something into existence, it will happen. And he qualifies it. So it's a blessing. And it's eternal. And it has eternal consequences. It's important that we grasp that. So when you want to put customary before God, look at what you're going to get. not good but it's important that we see how the tribes first started and that we look at everything about them and it's important this is the patriarchs Jacob is one of the patriarchs. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. Now, if we were to call Abraham had a wife. That was barren for a long time. Rebecca had problems. And we know Jacob's wives had problems. Mainly Rachel would be in barren. 
But you look here, and you see Isaac. He prayed about Rebecca to God. He was concerned about her ability to have children. And he took it to God in prayer. Jacob had that same example because Isaac was his father. I don't recall looking in the scriptures that we looked at in chapter 29 and 30 of Genesis of Jacob praying about Rachel's barrenness. Matter of fact, he got angry. Basically, he, he challenged Rachel when she became upset and came to him in the beginning of Genesis chapter 30. And when we look uh, in the first couple of verses, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> let's uh, look at... Um, Genesis chapter 30, uh, verse 1. Now when Rachel saw that she bore Jacob no children, Rachel envied her sister and said to Jacob, Give me children or else I die. Verse 2. And Jacob's anger was aroused against Rachel. And he said, Am I in the place of God who has withheld from you the fruit of the womb? It didn't seem like Jacob was in a prayer mode. He seemed very, very upset with Rachel. But he knows who God is. And he knows God is from whom all his blessings flow. So we can look at some things. And start coming to some conclusions. Family is probably one of the most important relationships, dynamics that you will have. One-on-one, collectively. Legacy, inheritance community, foundational, it's important. And we have to look and see who has been influencing our potential mates. And when you look at Laban, There's definitely some red flags there. And we have to be mindful in the environment from whom our mates will come out of. But you know what? There's a remedy to that. And it's the Word of God. 
the good, the bad, and the ugly, it's all here. Every dynamic you can imagine in a relationship, it's here already. And we can open it up and we can look at it together. So when we are thinking about beginning a family or being able to address issues that are existing in our families that have come down from generation to generation because we like to deal with things customary. We want to deal with customs. Well, you know what? You're not going to get a conclusion with customs because customs change, but the Word of God does not. Customs did not establish the family. God Almighty of all creation, heaven and earth, established the families. He has a standard. He has commands and precepts concerning the family and how he will operate. When we come into his family as believers, we cannot do things like we used to do. And he makes it available. His word from Genesis to Revelation. He didn't keep anything out. He, He didn't withhold anything from us. It's painful. It's sad. It's shocking. But there is an answer and a solution for everything if we want to do it God's way. It doesn't matter how we start, saints. It's how we finish Because God met us where we were. But we can't have this word and an an inhabitation of a Holy Spirit just to do what we've been doing and expecting a different result. I think most of us know the definition of insanity. You keep doing the same thing and expect a different result. That's the definition of insanity. And, you know, I like to ask a question sometimes. How's that been working out for you? How have what you've been doing, how has that been working out for you when you want to do it your way? We have to start being accountable for what we do. Because when we really start being accountable, then we shouldn't be surprised at the outcomes that we get when we don't want to do it God's way. He's not forcing us. But if you want 100% eternal relationship that will never end, well, God's offering that to you. He said, I will be there. I'm not going anywhere. God never leaves us. We just decide to do things the way we want to do it. And see, Jacob wanted to start to do something different. And his wives 
they wanted to do something different too. They were ready to leave. They knew what to expect with their father. It was always going to be competitiveness. It was always going to be self-centeredness. He was always going to out-manipulate them. He was always going to get their very best that they had to offer. They were property to him. It's business. He valued what he could get out of them more than he valued who they were. These are your children. And he looked at them like commodities to be traded. These were going to be his grandchildren. It's going to be his legacy. (coughs) So, let's look at it for what it is. How selfish are we being, men and women of God? To where we don't even value our children. We don't value our family members. Everybody can be put away. As long as I'm winning. At what expense? This is a pathology here, people. And we have to see the selfishness that is truly a detriment to all families. It's pervasive. It's pandemic. It throws away all reason. And it definitely won't allow Almighty God to rule and reign. It's constantly against that. It's the creation constantly doing battle with the creator. That's never a recipe for success. It's a recipe for disaster. And you're bringing it to your house. You know, Jacob's name at one time was Deceiver. But his name was changed to Israel. Means that he struggles with God. And it's and the thing is is that God is in it. We have to understand men and women of God. Custom is familiar. God is supernatural. He wants something so much better for us. He's providing it. He's showing you. It's not the time to move away from God. This is the time to get closer to God. Is it heating up in your house? Has communication gotten bad? Does the love appear to have gone lukewarm on its way to cold? 
are grudges lingering from generation to generation. Because babies are being born every day. So it would appear that family reunions should have more people attending. But it would appear now less and less. Because factions have risen. Gangs, cells, people terrorizing their own families. This is all we have, men and women of God. We got to do something. We have a great opportunity. I was in worship this morning, and uh, it was a great sermon. It's about God's family and how apropos when we're talking about a profile of Leah and we move over to this that was shared this morning and I want to be able to share it with you. So I'm going to turn over make sure I have it. It came out of Ephesians, and I'm looking at chapter 3, and I want to share with you the verses that were shared. Believe it or not, I got to read scripture in the worship environment. I didn't know I was going to do that, but I stood up to give honor to the Word of God as it was going to go forth, and uh, they asked me to read, so praise God. I'm, I'm excited about that, so thank you, Lord. And I am in Ephesians chapter 3. And I'm going to start at uh, verse 14. For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. 15. From whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. 16. That he could grant you accordingly to the riches of his glory. To be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. 17. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you being rooted and grounded in love. 18. May be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height. 19. To know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. 20. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. 21. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. How powerful is that? And my commentary says the family of God includes all who have believed in him in the past, all who believe in the present, and all who will believe in the future. We are all a family because we have the same father. He is the source of all creation, the rightful owner of everything. God promises his love and power to his family and the church. 
If we want to receive God's blessings, it is important that we stay in contact with other believers in the body of Christ. Those who isolate themselves from God's family and try to go it alone cut themselves off from God's power. God's love is total, says Paul. It reaches every corner of our experience. It's width. It covers the breadth of our own experience, and it reaches out to the whole world in length. It continues the length of our lives, its height. It rises to the heights of our celebration and elation, its depth. It reaches to the depths of discouragement, despair, and even death. <coughs> when you feel shut out or isolated, remember that you can never be lost to God's love. For another prayer about God's immeasurable and inexhaustible love, we can find that in Romans 8, verses 38 and 39. The fullness is expressed only in Christ, in union with Christ and through his empowering spirit. We are complete. We have all the fullness of God available to us. But we must appropriate the fullness through faith and through prayer as we daily live for him. It's important in the profile, Aaliyah, that we've done in part one and part two, that you see that when you try to do it by yourself, family is not going to turn out well. But when you incorporate God, wow, wombs open up, things happen, people are healed, and the love is unconditional. We love you and God bless and save the loss at all costs. It is our humble prayer that the most high God of all creation and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ continues to bless you and yours without cease for tuning in today and supporting this great move of God with your generous donations. Save the Lost at All Costs is a Holy Spirit filled live called in weekly radio ministry that has been airing since 2005 and serving in the greater Las Vegas community. We can be heard every Sunday at 3.02 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on Las Vegas his very own Christian Talk radio stations, 1060 AM and 100.1 FM. Also, you can listen to KKVV Christian Talk Radio anytime via your cell phone. Please dial 605-313-0630. Again, that number is 605-313-0630. That number only works in the United States. Also, we are audio and video streamed in real time during our live broadcast at www.kkvv.com and our website, www.savethelostlv.org. If you would like to re-listen to a previous broadcast at no charge, make an online secure donation, or learn more about our ministry, please visit our website at www.savethelostlv.org. If you prefer, you can mail in a donation. Address it to Save the Lost at All Cost, Inc., P.O. Box number 3350. 5852 North Las Vegas 89033. Again, our P.O. Box number is 
833-5852, North Las Vegas, 89033. All donations made to Save the Lost at All Costs, Inc. are 100% tax deductible. For more information, please feel free to call or text us at 702-219-6882. Again, 702-219-6882. We would like to thank you again. Remember to remain in Christ, stay prayed up, tune in, and don't forget to save the lost at all costs, no matter what.